Well, good afternoon and welcome to today's special event. My name is Guy Stevens. I'm the founder and executive director of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. I started the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint to raise awareness about the use of restraint and seclusion in schools across our nation. Our mission is to educate the public and connect people who are dedicated to changing minds, laws, policies, and practices so that restraint and seclusion are reduced and eliminated from schools across the nation and beyond. Our vision is really to see safer schools for students, teachers, and staff. Today, I'm very excited to have uh, with us Illinois State Representative Jonathan Carroll, who's going to be joining us for a special interview. Uh, today's event is a pre-recorded event. This is a pre-recorded interview, which you'll be able to listen to later on Facebook, YouTube, or as an audio podcast. Uh, the interview took place on Thursday, October 1st, and we will be airing it about a week later. Uh, before I introduce our guest today, I want to begin by introducing our co-host. Today, we have as a co-host Jennifer Rowe. Uh, Jennifer is an autistic artist and accidental activist. Uh, she is a distinguished uh, pastelist, art teacher, and research enthusiast. Uh, in her spare time, she likes spending time in nature and taking day trips to the ocean with her husband and two children. Jennifer is also a contributing author to both Neuroclastic and the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. In fact, you may have read the article she wrote about ending prone restraint in Illinois. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Really excited to have you co-hosting today. So I'm going to go ahead and add uh, uh, Representative Carroll here to the conversation. And if you would be so kind to uh, introduce Representative Carroll, that would be great. Sure. Uh, so glad you're here, uh, Representative Carroll. Jonathan Carroll is serving his second term as a state representative for Illinois' 57th House District. He decided to serve because the representative cares about his community. Jonathan wants to ensure that his children see the better side of politics and learn to love the state as much as he does. In addition to his work as state representative, Jonathan helps individuals with various cognitive challenges like ADHD meet personal, professional, and educational goals. As a certified special education teacher, Jonathan has been helping individuals his whole career. The representative is a lifelong resident of Illinois. Jonathan's passions reflect the community, creating jobs, reducing Illinois' massive property tax burden, ensuring great schools, sensible gun control, consolidating redundant layers of government, and protecting a woman's right to choose. Jonathan received a BA in communications from DePaul University in Chicago and a MA in learning disabilities from Northeastern Illinois University in Chicago. Jonathan lives with his wife, <laughs> Katrina, and two children in Northbrook, Illinois. Fantastic. Thank you, Jennifer. And thank you, Representative Carroll, for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on. Uh, really appreciate all the work that you've been doing there in Illinois. This is this is an issue that, as you probably know, is very near and dear to our hearts in terms of uh, uh, encouraging change. So thank you and, and welcome today. Thank you. Um, and, and, you know, it's near and dear to my heart, too. I think that um, and, and thank you for that introduction. I certainly am someone who's had experience with this myself. I think I, I shared uh, you know, my narrative with people is a way of saying, like, this is actually a real thing. And, and the effects of this aren't just something that we see, you know, um, on, a, on, on a level that just affects children. The people that have dealt with this for years continually still see the effects of it. So it's not one of these situations where um, it, it, it's, it just goes away after the short term. The scars of, of these acts and the things that people do last a long time. Um, and so I think that when, when you're able to humanize something, I think when, when people could say like, you know, there's, there's an effect from this type of situation, um, I think it then adds to the, uh, 
the way that you can help the process. So um, I've heard from a lot of advocates in this in this in this area. Um, it's been great because I think it's been really helpful. People kind of it kind of sort of set a trend where people were like, you know, this happened to me, too. And, you know, I heard from kids I went to school with uh, when I came out saying, like, thank you for doing this, you know, for all these years. Um, restraint, isolation, timeout was something that 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 haunted us. So, um, you know, it, it, it's good to show the world that that we live lives, too, and that, you know, we're flawed. We're not perfect. We've dealt with these things. And it kind of it kind of helped my colleagues sort of see that now. Absolutely. The sad reality of this is that um, there are schools that in Illinois here are fighting me on mm-hmm. this legislation. And it's become very irritating to me because, um, you know, I'm not I'm not a guy that's going to try to force anything upon anybody. I mean, I think that we want this legislation to be done and done right. Right. The problem is that um, you're deal. I'm dealing with just elements of people that that are schools that that use this practice that are private schools that charge a lot of money for tuition that you know don't want to change what they do sure sure i'm also sure. dealing with the school administrators in illinois that that mm-hmm. you know never want to see change or make the, the say like oh we're against this but then when when you work on legislation um all of a sudden the story changes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's 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 really it's, it's really a, a very it's, this has been a lot you know, this has been awakening. This has been, you know, been great for me from a standpoint of, you know, really kind of finally having some closure to some dark chapters of my life. Mm-hmm. It's also been frustrating because it's like, you know, you, you, you deal with these schools and the people that, that are around this practice and, 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 and they're just total callousness to mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what this really does to impact people and the amount of BS they put out there. Right. about what um what my intentions are with this bill right right, you know, right. Here's, here's a good example like you know i i understand the kids on the spectrum benefit from being able to um be able to to you know to isolate from a standpoint of recalibration of of um you know of like emotional needs like to get themselves back on an emotional plane that's a voluntary act that's a voluntary Absolutely. Act. they're Absolutely. not being thrown into a room saying okay get yourself regulated again. right Right. It's a choice that they make, and it's an effective therapy for kids with, they, with autism. Sure, some of the players are saying, "Like, well, Carol wants to end all that." I'm like, "No, that's right, not right. true." I, I've been through the same as I was and, trying to implement change that and, the people and, would look at that. So, way. you know, we're, we're dealing with that part of it. You know, I I don't think the pandemic helped me as much. Right. Um, it's been exceptionally frustrating because. You know, a lot of us have legislative priorities. This was certainly mine, along with my colleague, Senator Gillespie. Um, we've been working on this. Mm-hmm. We set a call about this yesterday. Um, we've been we're having calls about this. You know, we're, we're fighting a lot more battles than I thought we would fight. Right. right. Um, unfortunately, I don't think these people realize they picked a fight with the wrong guy. So, um, you know, if you if you follow me on social media or if you see what I say is I, I don't mince words. And right. I don't mince words about this from day one. And, um, you know, I've ruffled some feathers, but you know what? It's either go big or go home. 
Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. like, if we're not going to fight this battle, then why are we here? Sure. Well, um, as we get into some questions here, I wanted to have Jennifer give a little bit of background on this, because while while some of our, our viewers and listeners might be familiar with the Illinois story, and I, I hope that many of them are, uh, we want to give a little bit of background and then we'll get into some questions for you. And I, I appreciate and feel your passion. Uh, I'm sitting here today because my son was restrained and secluded inappropriately in a in a Maryland school. And uh after I realized what was going on in the scope of it, um, I knew something had to change and I made a promise to him that I would do whatever I could to, to help make that change. So I, I absolutely value and appreciate your passion for this and, and even through your experience as well. Jennifer, if you could give a little bit of background for our viewers that might not be familiar with what was happening in Illinois, that would be fantastic. And then we'll jump into some questions. Sure. Uh, back in November, an investigation by ProPublica and Chicago Tribune exposed what seclusion and restraint is like for students in Illinois public schools. Over a period of a school year and a half, 1,300 students were subjected to prone restraint uh, in the school system there. As you likely know, prone restraint is when a person is held face down on the ground, just as was done to Max Benson, George Floyd, Cornelius Frederick, and a number of other children and adults who have also lost their lives from this practice. It's recorded that 30 Illinois students complained, I can't breathe during a restraint. One student said, you're gonna get me dead. Over two dozen times, the ambulance had to be called due to the uh, severity of the injuries during a restraint. The US Department of Education has given guidance that prone restraints should never be used because they can cause serious injury or death. Even one uh, physical restraint instance can result in traumatization. And the majority of students subjected to seclusion and restraint have behavioral or intellectual disabilities, uh, brown and black students. The Illinois uh, State Board of Education react, responded really quickly when the investigation was published in the article titled Quiet Rooms and emergency rooms were put into place banning the use of seclusion and prone restraint. And there was great anticipation in the spring these would become law, but instead uh, in the spring, those both be, uh, isolated seclusion and prone restraint became allowed again. Okay, thanks. Um, so with that, with that background in mind, I just want to kind of dive into some questions here. Jonathan, one of the things that that I learned about you as I was doing some research is I, I didn't realize that you were a certified special education teacher, um, which really to me kind of puts you in a, in a very unique position in terms of really understanding the problem. I think sometimes people assume that, you know, as an elected representative that you might not really understand the problem, but certainly you have a, a far different perspective. Um, so with that as your background, and I know you've got a personal story as well, but how did this issue really get on your radar in terms of what was it from the Tribune story or how did this really get on your radar now? I mean, there was the Tribune story. I mean, I had no idea this was going on. It was just one of these things where it's like, you know, I assumed that as a 46 year old male, some of the barbaric practices I dealt with as a kid were gone. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that that was actually not the case. And a lot of people got caught with their pants down on this one, you know, the Illinois State Board of Education, some others, because, you know, we we had no idea to the extent it was happening. And I, and I think that's one of the biggest, you know, one, one of the biggest challenges as a legislator is that, look, I don't know everything that's happening and, and I don't know every bill number and I don't know every piece of legislation. You know, the assumption is that we know we don't. And so but when we find out about something is when we can address it. So a lot of my job is a pound of cure which is very frustrating because again, it's like a lot of this stuff, if we could just address proactively, 
would probably help, you know, do a better job of it. So um, I saw, I was actually at a training in Tampa. I saw the article, one of my, the, my Senate sponsor happened to be the same thing too. I said, Have you, did you see this BS? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, let's get to work. And so literally on the back of a napkin, we started working on the legislation in Tampa and, you know, and, and, and continued doing it. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I had a few other colleagues of mine that initially expressed an interest in wanting to be that person. But when they saw what I would, they, 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 they heard my narrative and understood why this is important to me. They all were like, OK, this is something that, that, that he should definitely take the lead on. So it was good. Um, and, and that was it's funny. You should bring up the special ed part, because one, one, one of one of the jerks I was dealing with that that was trying to fight me on the bill came out and said, how can Carol talk about education when he knows nothing about education? I'm like, hi, I own a business that I still, I'm still in practice doing helping kids with ADHD and executive functioning. I do special ed advocacy. I'm a certified special ed teacher. I'm like, so here's three areas where I have credibility in this area. Plus I was restrained and plus I was put into isolation timeout. So I, I can speak from both. It actually happened to me as a kid to my professional experience. So, you know, that, that's, that's what, that's what weak arguments are is, you know, is that, okay, so we're just going to start questioning his credibility. We'll bring it on because I, I'm happy to share my credentials and my experiences with anybody in this area. So that, that's part of it. So there's the discrediting of, of, of credit. And I think that, that part of it is great. So I love when people do that. Like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Let me give you a long laundry list of why I do know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and let me, and I mean, I, I had it out pretty bad, pretty well with uh, the lobbyists from the school administrators. And, and she wrote me an email and said, oh, this is outrageous, but here's our concerns with the bill. And I said, based on what I'm reading here, you're for throwing kids on the ground and locking them in closets. And she's like, I never said that. I said, well, if you're fighting us on our legislation and you're not offering us solutions to this, mm -hmm. that's what you're supporting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, you can tell I'm not shy. I mean, I've, what I'm telling you is I've told every reporter, told my colleagues, I'll tell anybody is, is that don't, don't come to me and tell me you're outraged by something and then try to kill it. Either right. you try right. to fix the problem or get the hell out of the way and let those of us that know what we're doing fix the problem. So, sure. um, you know, it, 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 and again, the, the unfortunate part of this situation is, I mean, I think it's just, the world of 2020 is right. that you know we're not we're not having a traditional legislative session right we didn't right. have one in the spring and when we did have a few days down there i was actually in quarantine because i was exposed so mm -hmm. uh, i wasn't able to be there so i really couldn't work the bill we're supposed to go back there um around around thanksgiving for what we call veto session but we don't really have anything to veto so it might just be an extension of our other session and uh the plan is to run the bill and right. And, right. and the hopes is that you know, I can get, you know, my Senate sponsor can round up enough support in the Senate, which I, I, again, I think it's one of those bills where people may have cold feet, but you put that on the board and you say, okay, we're going to stop this practice. And I think, I think that's when your conscious and your soul kicks in. Um, and then, you know, and we go from there, but then what I also dealt with in the house is, is that I had the, you know, again, we're in the super majority. So I'm a Democrat. We're in the super majority in Illinois. Um, the Republican leader is in cahoots with one of the schools that does this. And he and another person on his leadership team. So when the rules changed, he met you know, the mentioning of what happened when the rules were kind of, you know, manipulated back a little bit was they worked behind the scenes to try to get this to what we call the, the, the joint council of uh, like, like there's a group that, that meets that like sometimes you can work on emergency rules. And, and, and they were able to sneak that in in the 11th hour mm -hmm. before I even knew about it. And I, I mean, I lost my mind, too. I mean, I got a call from the same Tribune reporters and basically threw all them under the bus. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know what we're working on here? And this is a very sneaky way that you did this. So mm -hmm. there are people that don't want this to go away. 
Right, right, and right. And it's, it's unfortunately sad that the people that talk about how much they love kids and how much they love people and how much they want to help people, at the end of the day, don't. Right, right. And, you know, and, and you said it best. Like, I mean, and, and, I, and I brought this point up numerous times is we're treating our children like we treat our worst criminals. Mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. treating our children like they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Like right. You're taking a kid that's in an emotional crisis and you're making them, you're, you're, you're holding them down or you're putting them alone. Like I know when, when I'm alone and I'm pissed or I'm in a bad place, I, I probably being alone is not the safest thing for me. Right, right. It's actually quite the opposite. It's, right. it's, it's more of an adverse effect. So you're, you're creating the, this system. And, and again, I think, look, it's, 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 it's the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you have a kid that's in crisis, you know, you want to find a way to kind of diffuse the crisis as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. That's not it. Right. And, and, and so um, it's like it, 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 that's the part about this that's just so frustrating. Sure, it's, sure. It's a campaign of misinformation. Right. And, and, and the important part, the unfortunate part of the campaign of misinformation, it comes from the people that actually are the ones that are the bad players in this. Right. So let me, um, Jennifer, I'm going to skip around a little bit in the questions here because we, we're kind of covering a few things here. But one of the things that you mentioned, and I agree with you very heavily on, is that there are absolutely better ways to be working with kids. And, and we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years researching the better ways to work with kids. Uh, there is no benefit. There's no There's no academic, there's no educational benefit, no therapeutic benefit to the use of restraint and seclusion. You mentioned before, hey, if a kid needs a, a self-directed um, break, yeah, absolutely. I, I've always supported that if, if somebody wants to have a sensory room. But when you are putting someone in a room against their will, you know, it is forceful. It is usually involving a restraint to get them there. So my question for you is we hear the question a lot at the Alliance and we have pretty good answers for it at this point. But the question is, what else do you expect us to do? We, we hear that frequently. And I'm just kind of curious what your response is in terms of how you think that, you know, what you think schools should be doing. You have very unique perspective as somebody that was a special educator and has worked with a lot of children, you know, because we do find that kids with autism and ADHD are certainly overrepresented in the kids that end up being restrained and secluded. So what are some of your um, responses to kind of the, the solutions question? Well, we're dealing with the same issue that we dealt with, with like the George Floyd situation. We're dealing with a lot of African-American children that, that are, that are overly, that are over, this is, this method's overly used with as well. So it's like, you know, you're almost creating the pipeline of, 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 what we're seeing from a young age on and that's the sad reality of it is is that is that you know we're we're, we're almost training our children to be restrained we're almost treating our children to be isolated and especially in lower income minority communities we're seeing this more and you know again it, it's 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 it, it's not a resource question it's a conscience question it's like it's a it's a soul question it's a is this what we want to be question? And I, I think that, that, you know, it does come down to resources. I mean, I think there's no, you look at the end of, at the end of the day, the challenge in my job or any legislator's job is how the hell are we going to pay for it? <laughs> I think that's always what you say. And it's, it's, you know, again, while it's not a criticism, you know, while it's not okay to do that, I think the, 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 the only, the only conversation I've heard, where I, I kind of take that step back is, is around, well, what are we supposed to do? And I think that that's a failure of our system, really from the State Board of Education, is what are we supposed to do? Because again, it's like, you know, you're, you're following the guidance. You know, we, we haven't banned that here in Illinois. 
So theoretically, they haven't broken any rules. Did they did they abuse the process? Absolutely. But it wasn't breaking the law. So we have, you know, again, we have to kind of teach them how to fish. You know, we give them a fishing rod, teach them how to fish, as opposed to just vilifying them and saying, like, you have to stop this. And I think that's the big disconnect right, that right. we're dealing with is, okay, so what's next? Now, again, I know there's programs out there that they say that, that are effective and they certainly, you know, again, I've read about them. I know there's a program out of Virginia that does some mm-hmm. great stuff. I, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Ucaro, Ucaro. Yes. Yep. So, you know, I know these programs that do these things. And, and, and again, the, the data on them is great. Uh, that stuff is great, but they're expensive. And again, I don't put a price on, on, on what we do with our children, but the reality of it is, and especially in a COVID world, when, when we're already, we're already, our, our resources are less and less now, how do we get those programs into the schools to help with that? And, and, yeah. and that's going to take, that's the piece of it. I think that I have to work with the governor's office on mm-hmm. that. I have to work with the state board of education on potentially seeking, you know, maybe outside, outside, uh, you know, people to help facilitate this, mm-hmm. trying to maybe setting up foundations and mm-hmm. things, you know, one of the things that, that our governor in Illinois is, you know, I mean, I, I governor is JB Pritzker. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a billionaire. But he's, he does a lot of philanthropy work. He's done a lot of things, like even around COVID, like he helped set up a foundation that raised millions of dollars to help families with COVID. Like this was separate of the state. This is something that he put his sister in charge of running. And it was, you know, and so he has an ability to kind of do stuff like that. He's mm-hmm. just got great connections in the community. And I think if we can get some of the community leaders together, we could probably pull together more resources on this. But that that's our biggest challenge. Yeah, really. yeah. But, well, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned a couple of things that they really tie together. One, of course, is a school to prison pipeline. And and we know that these disproportionate policies of, of suspension, expulsion, restraint, seclusion are, are leading kids down that road, are leading kids. Uh, you know, one suspension has a tremendous impact on whether or not a kid will graduate. And, you know, when we think about cost, I think sometimes we think short term, uh, but certainly the cost of incarceration, the cost of lost lives is tremendous. And, you know, if we can be, get people to focus on, yeah, you know, some of these solutions cost money, but the the damage, the trauma, the incarceration, uh, it seems like it should be a compelling argument to, to and, and to do the right thing. 100% agree with you. And again, let me let me be clear. I'm, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination putting the, the health and safety of anybody. Oh, yeah. of right, right. And I also think that you're right. I mean, the problem is we do pounds of cure. Like we spend a, a bunch of money to throw people in jail. Right. We spend a bunch of money to pro- disproportionately put people in jail. And if we would invest some of that money that we spend on, on, on you know, on, on petty crimes that produce large sentences from minority individuals and invest that back in the schools, that would be great. Like here, here's a good, here's a good one for you. The number one mental health care provider in Cook County. So I live in Cook mm-hmm. County, which is the Chicago area. Is the is Cook County Jail is the number one mental health provider in Cook mm-hmm. County. Mm-hmm. I want you to hear what I just said. Mm-hmm. The number one mental health provider is the Cook County Jail. That is that is fifty seven thousand pounds of cure. Right, right. Not not an ounce of prevention. Right. And so. You know, th- that whole thing is, and, you know, and, and we, we just, you know, I'll give you kind of a, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a here, but so you'll understand this. We have some great legislators that have really worked on the, on the, on the justice reform issues. And so earlier this year or last year, we legalized marijuana in Illinois. And one of the com- reasons why I thought it was a great idea is because we were able to throw in there a social justice component and, and, and really trying to get some, some, minority kids that were locked up for petty marijuana crimes out because I think that that was, 
you know, a way that we were able to find just another way we could find to incarcerate minority children. Mm-hmm. So um, we have that 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 concept. And I think mm-hmm. that, again, is another conversation to have with with my with my colleagues. Certainly is, look, if you guys have a way that we can take what we're spending to jail someone and take that resource and apply it to early education, bettering the process early, I think we'll see results from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. you know, again, it's like, but, you know, it, we also are elected officials and people like seeing people thrown in jail better than education, which is to me is absolutely just mind boggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. You had mentioned how the money is a big factor for uh, people not wanting to anticipating that's going to cost money for training for Ukero or other methods uh, for crisis management. Uh, new trainings. Uh, so I guess I'm wondering, um, you know, we, we know that there were objections at the 11th hour. Uh, one of those objections was that it, training was going to be, it take time to train. Another objection was uh, it's going to be a burden to our social workers, our staff to debrief after every incident, to meet with family and students, staff workers to find triggers. I, I'm, I would would like to know what your, uh, what would your resolution, what would your uh, solution be to those objections that have been listed as, uh, you know, why people have at the 11th hour groups have decided that they're not actually in favor of the, of the ban of isolated seclusion and restraint. That's a great question. So let me, let me answer that for you a couple of different ways. I always there's there's a saying in politics that that I mean I I kind of moved around a little bit is I don't really care how the sausage is made I care how the sausage tastes, and so for me it's like I don't really want to see how the sausage is made I don't think any of us do, but the point is that if if if, if these groups that that my my goal is to end this practice okay that's my goal if you have a better path for us to get there I'm all ears I'm like listen I'm like I I, I don't have all the answers, but. What, I, what I'm saying is come to me with a, with, with a process or resolution that's going to end this barbaric practice. And we'll work on the rest of it. And what I haven't seen from the opposition are is their plan on how mm. to Because they'll talk mm. about how outraged they are and how horrible this is. And God, this is the worst thing in the world. But it's, it's crocodile tears because it's like I don't see a plan. I don't have legislation that they've drafted. I, there's nothing that they've given me that tells me that they're serious about this. And so mm-hmm. from my standpoint, I'm like, look, I'm like, I, I am open to suggestions. I mean, we, we, we've amended this bill several times to try to get people, you know, on, on the same page. You know, you know, again, my Senate sponsor and I are not, are, you know, I originally wanted to run the bill as is, put it on the board and say, look, vote against this bill and you're for, for doing these things. And I, you know, at the end of the day, while it steals headlines and makes me feel good, <laughs> it, it's not the way that any of us should ever do anything. Like we should work with people and try to get a bill together that's going to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Um, but the reality of it is the, the opposition has opposed the bill, but hasn't done much to help me write a better one. Mm-hmm. So that that's where, where you know, your point is very valid, Jennifer, is that I, I think it's like, you know, they oppose it, but they don't do anything else with it. And, and one of my emails to one of the opposition was, okay, where's your bill? 
Where's your belt? Where, where's your language? Where's your belt? Yeah. Stop telling me you don't like mine. Where's your belt? Because here's the bottom line. I'm going after this, and it's going to happen, and either you're going to be on my team or I'm going to leave you in the dust. And when she brings up, like, why well, I told them my opposition, I'll say, well, I also asked her for different language in the bill, and she never provided it for me. So you know mm -hmm. what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is this is this is kind of good. It's sort of, I'll give you sort of a little bit of a civics lesson here. And I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling on and on, but here's here's a good civics lesson for for things is that you know in any in any situation legislatively, you know, you just can't walk into a room and say, you know what, this is the way it's going to be, and, and it's the end of the story. I mean, it's just it's it's an impossible process, and it's going to make you very unpopular with your peers, and it's going to make you an ineffective legislator. You have to find ways of working with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think that one of the challenges that we face is that a lot of legislators, it takes time for us to learn that lesson is like, you know what, you need to actually talk to your colleagues on both sides of the aisle. You need to work with them to come to a consensus to try to get something done. Now, again, there will be respectful disagreement and at a certain point, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And if you don't want to vote for it, speak out against it and don't vote for it. But you want to at least give them the time to do that. And, and most of the time, people are pretty receptive to that and will say what their ideas are. And you may disagree with them, but at least they have the opportunity to present an alternative perspective. What's happened with the opposition in our case is their, their opposition are to aspects of the bill that take away the teeth of the bill, mm -hmm. which would mean then this practice is still going to go mm -hmm. on. Like then we're just writing a piece of paper with words on it. Mm -hmm. and, and, that, and that's my issue. So you can oppose a part of the bill, but give me a solution that gets us to that point. That, that allows us to do the practice. And I think that's one of the things with, with, with us legislators is, and, you know, for anyone who's listening, if you ever want to contact your legislator, don't be critical, be critical and suggestive. Mm -hmm. words, I don't like what you're doing. This is how I would do it instead. And I, and I think you'd get a lot further than that. You know I mean? I get emails all the time. Like, you know, you suck at your job. And I say, listen, I say to my wife, please don't email me. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but, but in all seriousness, like, you know, you get emails from people that criticize you. It's like, okay, then, but, but right. what's your idea? Right. What's right. your solution? And if, if you think that you can do a better job, why don't you run for office and, 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 and put out your ideas? And look, I mean, that's why we have an election process. So for me, it's like offer solutions, mm -hmm. offer suggestions, try to work with us. And, 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 I, and I think you get a lot further than, than that. And I think that's where the problem in all this has really happened is that, that they've just come in like your idea stinks. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And then, then I go back to the, there's a certain point where I'm like, you know what? I'm running the bill. You get your opposition to it. I'll get my supporters of it. I'm running the bill. And if they mm -hmm. want to vote no on it, that's their choice. But I think I can get to 60 votes because I think I have enough people in in, in my chamber who respect the fact that what I'm doing is for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I've earned trust of tr colleagues on both sides of the aisle because they know I'm not going to screw them over. And that I, I, my, my, my efforts have always been in the right place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that question, Jennifer, was really interesting. And I think one of the interesting things about it for me is that, you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive to the fact that it takes time to, to get training. You know, we're very supportive of, of teachers, administrators, yeah. staff, um, mm -hmm. and, and realize this is a process. Uh, the, the other argument, though, I had a little bit more difficulty with, which was that, that it would be too much of a burden on staff and social workers. And I guess the difficulty I had was that to, to a degree, and, and this is my opinion here, but to a degree, we we want people really to be you know if they're going to use any kind of restraint we we want them to be very thoughtful about using it we want it to we want it to be a measure of last resort if it's truly a measure of last resort you shouldn't be having a burden of of doing this We're, i live in a state 
that has fairly strong laws. And despite the strong laws, we find that it's being overused. We have the imminent serious physical harm standard, which basically is a life or death type of standard. And yet we find it used for noncompliance, disrespect, minor behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, to some degree, I'm, I'm not as sympathetic to the burden on, on, on staff and social workers, meaning that we want it to be something that you really not going to as a first resort. Uh, not to say that, you know, the, the staffs, you know, the schools don't need the proper resources, but we also want to be very judicious in using anything like this because the impact is so great. 100% agree with you. And again, that, and that's my thing too. It's like, I don't really care about the bird. Like, right. I mean, this is stop throwing kids <laughs> on the ground. Stop right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a level of the burden where I'm like, you know what? Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that that's not certainly, you know, our intention, but I think we also have to be, you know, uh, cognizant and certainly understanding that, you know, the, the, that some of these teachers are dealing with an exceptionally difficult population of kids right, right. that are, you know, that, that, that require a lot of patience and, and, and love and all those things. And the sad reality is, look, we're human. Look, I, I love my children more than anything in the world. I mean, I have a 10 year old and a 12 year old, but they piss me off sometimes. I mean, it's, they're, they're kids. And so do I like to yell at them? No. Does it happen sometimes? Yes. I mean, obviously it's, it's, you know, it's, I feel bad about it, but you know, when they make a mistake, I get upset and, you know, take that as a teacher where you're dealing with a room full of 20 kids that are, 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 are challenging to you. And, 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 and you look, you're, you're, you're human. It's going to happen. But again, it, it, it's back to the ounce of prevention. What skills and strategies are, what, what things are we providing our, our, our teachers and our schools and everybody else with? And, and, and how do and how do we do that? And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, look, we in Illinois passed a law that says we're going to have a minimum teacher salary of starting salary of forty thousand dollars a year with the goals of trying to attract better talent in the classroom, trying to attack track. But not that the teachers we have are bad. I don't I'm not mm-hmm. throwing any teachers under the bus, but, we, we, you know, we've had a real problem attracting teachers. I mean, it's just not a field that people are going to right now. And so we need to attract better teachers and we need to attract if you attract better talent. You'll attract better people that 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 can work through some of these challenges that they have. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. And again, I think it comes back to the let let's work on the training. You know, is it a conversation with our collaborative universities where we say, look, what are the things that we should be teaching your staff while they're learning education? You know, people going into special ed. What are some things that we can teach them that that are you know that are diffusing or, or I should say de-escalating practices. As opposed to, okay, your first response is, go, all right, go in that room, lock the door, calm down, I'll come get you in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that type of situation. So for me, it's like that that's the challenge we have. I mean, I think the first Absolutely. thing is I want to lay a foundation that we're going to say, look, this practice is going to end. Now let's build the house around it to, and, and, and have the things that the house needs to make sure that, that, that we're doing the best thing that we can for these kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, Jennifer. Uh, you mentioned a little earlier uh, about uh, misinformation, and when we spoke in the interview uh, some months ago, you mentioned that we need to put it into this campaign of misinformation. I, I guess I was just uh, would like to hear, can you give us some more specifics about the type of misinformation that you're seeing out there that, um, that you're referring to and uh, who, who all is propagating it? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 a few different areas. I may mean, think one is that there's some private schools that look that, that this is their, this is their bread and butter. I mean, I don't think their bread and butter is yeah, like using the practice, but it's a practice they use right, right. In, in their day to day. And, you know, they, they, they charge a lot of money for what they do. 
and they they are you know this is this is you know you're asking you know basically it's like asking McDonald's to serve hot dogs instead of hamburgers. I mean you're asking them to change sort of a, a fundamental practice that they have. Not that it's right or you know, not that it's right because it's certainly not, but it's the reality of the situation. So you know they are they have they they've hired some pretty powerful attorneys to mm. work with them on on this issue and you know i can get into that another day that one of the attorneys they hired i, I think is a direct conflict because he represents both parents and schools so i don't need i mean so you know there i guess there's no honor amongst thieves but we'll, we'll go back to that and, and there's time. and there's but, some legislators who are uh board members of one of the giants yes, and yes. uh co-chair of the joint I'm gonna get it wrong. Joint committee. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, J car. What's called J car. Yeah, I'm yeah. using that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yes. Yeah. And they put a lot of people on that board as honorary members. Who mm. and one of them is one of them is also the Republican, uh, the Republican spokesman, the Republican leader. So, yes, they yeah. they run yeah. things like that where they and and let me be clear. I don't think that that any of the people that we're talking about or insinuating have sinister intentions. I, I want to be very clear. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not trying to throw my colleagues under the bus. I just don't think they understand the issue. And I think that they've had somebody else in their ear for a while on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming along now and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Sort of like people that question my credibility. Um, and, and again, in a, in a non-COVID world, I would have been spending hours with them in their office explaining to them why this is what I'm trying to do. Um, the unfortunate reality of it is, is I have not had the chance to do that. I mean, I, I, I work well with my colleagues. You know, again, I'm not I'm not the guy that that, you know, just because I'm, I'm disappointed in, in what they're doing doesn't mean that I, I don't think I don't think that they're evil people. But at the same time, you know, we have to be cognizant of the fact that they've had someone in their ear and I haven't had a chance to be that person in their ear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um and I'll give you an example. Like when I was just before we did our call, I was on the phone with one of my Republican colleagues who is getting pressure from his side because he signed on as a, as a sponsor of my bill and is getting some pressure from his side to, to sort of because they know we have a good relationship to kind of, you know, talk to me about this. And, you know, I think as I explained to him, like, look, I'm willing to work with people on this, but there's a certain level of I just can't give on that issue because that takes away the intent of the bill. And he says to me, he's like, look, he's like, I fully trust you. He says, I don't think that you would try to screw anyone over. He says, I don't think that you'd put anyone in a bad position. He says, but understand there's people on my side who aren't with you on this. And I said, well, that's that's their choice. But I said, I think there's a certain level of I will present a bill that is that that I hope gets us to the ending of this practice. And I'm happy to answer any questions on it. And, and if your colleagues feel that this bill is not something they're comfortable voting for, then don't vote for it. And if they do, then vote for it. But that's my thing is like, look, at the end of the day, that's why we have a, a red button that says no and a green button that says yes. And, and, and you hit one or the other. And that's the end of it. Look, you have to or you have to live with your votes. Trust me, I've taken votes where people have been like, I can't believe you voted for that. Well, you know, it's yeah. the way of the world. Right, right. Well, kind of on that on that vein of of kind of um, misinformation. Uh, it's my understanding that some of the schools were actively encouraging parents to write letters supporting keeping prone restraint and seclusion. And in fact, I've even talked to one such parent. And you know, the the schools were actually leading the parents to believe that they needed these. And I'm doing air quotes here tools to support their children and, and even threatening to send kids home or call the police. I know there was one person interviewed for one of the articles that said that the day after this went into effect as the emergency ban, the school called and said, 
we think your child is going to escalate, so we're going to need you to pick them up. Um, so it's understandable that parents would have concerns. And, and you know, it, it's it's misinformation. You know, I've been working on this for a couple of years now and, and looked into the alternatives. I mean, there's there's trauma-informed approaches. There's Ukeru. There's, uh, you know, neurosequential model. There's collaborative proactive solutions. There's a lot of ways, uh, better ways to, to work with kids. Um, but sometimes uh, schools get stuck in culture and stuck with what they're doing. But it really is concerning because they they then kind of uh, make this false choice that, well, gee, um, either we need have these tools and and we lovingly restrain and seclude your children uh, or we're going to call the police. Um, why do you think that schools are taking that kind of position? Um, you know, I mean, I think for the reasons that we discussed, I mean, I think it's just one of these situations where you're going to deal with families that are. Uh, I mean, it, it's 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 you know, again, the campaign of misinformation. It's, right. it, it's, it's the, look what these people are trying to do to us. They don't want to educate your kids. Well, no, that's not it at all. So it's like, you know, again, it's like the, you know, you, you create these campaigns of misinformation and, 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 and that's, and that's how you approach this. And, you know, I've heard from some families too that wrote me and I, and, and what they were doing is they were really talking to some of my colleagues in the area. And I was getting calls from my really even liberal colleagues who are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, then I explained to them what's mm -hmm. going on. They're like, oh yeah, that makes more sense. Right. So obviously, look, I mean, we're dealing, you know, I mean, not not to make this about national politics, but I mean, we saw that in in, in that poop show of a debate the other night where mm -hmm. basically they didn't even talk about issues. They just yelled at each other for two hours. So it's like, you know, you, you can create diversions to get away from the actual topics at hand. So I think that's sort of what, what they were doing is, you know, again, it's like, you know, I, I, I love I love when I get an email from someone who doesn't even live within 200 miles of my district telling me how if I support this legislation, they're not going to vote for me and they're going to tell all their friends not to vote for me. And I'm like, you know, I think I'll take that chance. But it's 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 like but it, at the same time as it's like, you know, it's like but that's what they do. It's, you, know, yeah, and, yeah. you know, they'll write. You know, I, the thing that's amazing is and this and this is also some advice for for, you know, everyone listening to us. You know, we're human too. Like, you know, you write me an email, call me all kinds of names and stuff. I'm like, first of all, I'm gonna be like, you know, go to hell. But second of all, I'm gonna be like, you know what? Yeah, I already tuned you out because I'm like, you know, you you don't know me, you don't know my positions, and you make assumptions, and I'm and I'm tired of it. So I think I think when you're desperate, you seek other people to help you through your desperation. Right. And I think that's what these schools are doing. And again, yeah. a lot of the parents just mm -hmm. don't know. Like, well, listen, Johnny comes home from giant steps and he's had a great day. Right, right. So I don't right. want that to stop. And yeah. giant says, well, we may have to close our yeah. doors if this bill passes. Oh, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, they do. Yeah. I mean, and I feel bad for the parents. I mean, I feel bad for the parents that are put in this position. You know, I mean, I, I had a conversation with somebody recently and, and I asked the question, which I think is a really important question, because we know that restraint and seclusion lead to trauma and injury, not just of the, the, the <clears> students, <throat> but the teachers of the staff. We know kids have died due to this. So we know they're a high risk. And, and my question was just, if there was something else that we could do to reduce the risk and keep everybody safe, would you want to do that? And and I don't know how you could answer that anything other than, than yes, of course, I'd want to reduce the risk. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about finding alternatives to, to work with kids in a safer way. Right. Exactly. No, I think you're, I think you're, you're, you're right. And again, I think that's, that's again, is just educating yourself on the issue and understand there's a second side to it. And look, right. again, I, I mean, let me be clear. It's like, look, if you don't agree with what I'm trying to do, that's okay. I mean, I, I, it's not okay. But I mean, it's, you know, okay. you're entitled to your opinion. And, you know, and, 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 you know, again, elections have consequences. And we certainly understand that, you know, people have sort of 
um, people sort of have these thoughts that, um, again, the, the, the bills and stuff that we work on, you know, it's like, you know, that you were not agreeable to changes and stuff like that. So they come at us with that, that aggression. And it's like, look, it's again, it's like, let's work through the process. So I think it's, 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 this has been a really interesting few months on this bill. I will tell you that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, Jennifer. So I, I was, uh, you know, <clears throat> so back, back in April, the Illinois State Board of Education negotiated with the Joint Committee on Administrative Roles, uh, JCAR, <clears throat> to allow schools to use the program restraint for one more year and then to aim to phase it out by July 2021. What do you anticipate will happen if a ban on seclusion and restraint doesn't become law in this veto session coming up in November? <clears throat> phasing it out. Um. I mean, I think we're, you know, I think that ISBE, the State Board of Education, uh, and the Senator and I are going to have to work on, on on this together. You know, the State Board of Education has told me that they are interested in, in ending these practices too. Mm -hmm. Governors expressed that interest as well. You know, when I came out Publicly, with my friend, even, yes. me that afternoon and, and and expressed his full support of ending these practices. So, you know, right. you know I, I have a supportive administration on this one. So my, my guess is that, you know, we'll, you know, the State Board of Education may, may, may get involved with this because they've told me as much. Um, there's other cards we can certainly play on this. Um, you know, I'm running unopposed, which I told, which I hear is better than running opposed. So they're going to be stuck with me for two more years. So look, I mean, we, you know, if the bill doesn't go through this veto session, I have two more years to work on the legislation. So it's one of those things where we have a lot of avenues to get this done. I mean, the problem is, again, especially in the COVID world, we were already pushing one big boulder up a hill. Now we got five mm -hmm. to push up a hill. So it's just, you know, yeah. the, the amount of bandwidth that, that we have. And again, this is an important issue, but I think that, you know, what now obviously that 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 our society is essentially shut down and people aren't able to function in a in a standard way. It's created different challenges. And that again, that's the real problem. Like, look, I I mean it is a legislator, it's very frustrating for me. I had some real strong legislative priorities that I really wanted to get done. Like I had some stuff that I really, really, really wanted to get done. And now I can't because of the COVID world. Yeah, I'm sure that's got to be difficult. I mean, we saw that here in Maryland as well. Uh, we actually were trying to push forward a, a bill last term related to restraint seclusion in our data reporting efforts. And it seems like uh, just about everything got <laughs> got kind of held in place there. Um, what do you think, I mean, in terms of getting the votes that you need to get this uh, in place, what do you think the the biggest barriers are at this point? Or, or do you feel pretty confident in getting the votes to do it? Um, I think I have the votes. I mean, I think I can get to 60 votes. I think there's enough people that, again, would trust me in the process on this. Um, you know, whether the bill gets called or not is, is a whole other conversation. Um, you know, we have, yeah, I, I have a good relationship with leadership. I have a good relationship on those things. And if I went in there and said, I want to run this, I will. Um, obviously, I want to make sure I have the votes because that bill doesn't pass. Then I look like a complete, you know, I look like a completely incompetent person. Um, so I want to make sure that I, you know, get, you know, it's like, it's like being an attorney. You don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, I need to make sure that when I call the bill, I'm going to have the votes that I need. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of it is doing a roll call, making sure I have the votes, you know, going to the speaker and saying, look, I, I, I'd like to call my bill. I have the support of the caucus and I have the support of, of, of at least 60 legislators. 
and, and, and or, you know, and, and so I think that that's at least one of those things that, that, that you know, that, that honestly, that's the part about this process. I'm worried the least about is just getting it to the floor. Right, right. The, 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 everything else is kind of you know, look. And, and look, the opposition is going to start rounding up their people. And I know that I know already know the vocal critics are going to come out against my bill, and that's fine. I, 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 I I'm willing to take whatever they have to say, and and and, and you know we'll, we'll we'll deal with it. But honestly, like it's one of those situations where you know at the end of the day, I'm going to put a bill on the board that's going to make kids safer. And if, and if you want to hit that no button, well, that's that's on your conscience. Mm-hmm. That's on your that's that's your decision, um, but you know I I think there's a certain point where we have to start putting our cards on the table. Like, is this something you're going to support or not support? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What uh, what are your recommendations for concerned citizens? Uh, what can they do to help influence a ban of seclusion and restraint in Illinois? Whether the citizens are Illinois residents or nation across the nation. Um. I think it's just, you know, connecting with the advocacy groups like this. I mean, I think this is certainly one place you can start um, educating yourself on who your legislators are. You know, th- this is another thing, too. And I think this is one of the one of the challenges in politics. And and, and it's really the bottom line is all politics is local. I mean, at the end of the day, my, the, your school boards, your village boards, your park district boards, all those boards have so much more of an impact on the day to day lives then let's say Donald Trump or your states or your, your U.S. senators or your congressmen um, or your state officials have. I mean, again, you know, there's certain things that I do, but my, my day to day in your life is probably not as much as your school board people. So that's, I think, where you start is really the grassroots route of it. Look, mm-hmm. if you want to get, you know, look, if you want to be a, a solution to the problem, run for office. Like if you think that you have mm-hmm. something that you think that you can fix, then I would, I mean, I would highly recommend it. You know, it's funny when people actually come out strongly against me, I actually encourage them to run against me. I'm like, well, you've got such great ideas and you think you can do this job better than I can run. Petition season starts in the fall. <laughs> go print your petitions, go get your signatures and run. And and, and, and and you'll run on your platform and I'll run on my platform. And if you're a better choice for the district, then you'll win and I'll lose. And that, and that's, and that's, the process of elections for me is that look, it's like every election has a consequence or has, or doesn't have a consequence. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like as much as I disagree with everything Donald Trump says, he did say in the debate, the first thing he said is elections have consequences that those, those are his words, not mine. So, you know, that, that if you vote for, you know, ask your school board members, Hey, listen, Mm -hmm. you want to run for school board? What do you think of seclusion and timeout? What do you think the school district Mm -hmm. should do? These are things you should ask because nobody pays attention to these local races and they are so important. Like I gotta tell you, like the, 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 who compi- makes up your school board, who makes up your village board. Those are the things you need to be looked at on a day to day basis. Because it's like, absolutely, where is this district going? And and I think that's the thing. Is like, look, I can file a bill, and it's great, and it and it you know, it's going to be helpful. But have that conversation. That, you know, go to the go to the root of the problem. Don't come to me. Like, go to your school board. Right. Right. Yeah. That 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 actually mimics my story of of making change locally after what happened to my son. I work with a local school board, and we were able to change the policy, um, and get in new training. And and so I've always said to people, you know, locally first, you're going to have the quickest impact locally. You know, you can then go to a state level or federal level, but you can do a lot very quickly uh, on the local level if you're able to work with people. Um, Jennifer, I know in addition to writing a couple stories about this issue, you also put together an online petition. You want to tell us a little bit more about that and where people can find that? Sure. Uh, the petition is uh, change.org. It's titled Ask Superintendent Ayala and Governor Pritzker to End Prone Restraint in Illinois Schools. Uh, 
so please just you well let's see where to find it um it, it, you can find it on it's linked from both the alliance against seclusion and restraint and neuroclastic uh facebook pages and you can also just go to the url http colon backslash black backslash bit dot ly backslash ill prone and um sign be sure to share uh, with friends, family, the your school your school systems, and if you're an organization, political figure, uh, notable figure, you can you can actually uh, just send me an email. It's linked in that petition, and you can be added to the organizers and influencers list. Uh, among that list currently are Autistic Self Advocacy Network and Black Lives Matter seven five seven. So. Um, Great. Uh, hopefully we can get, get that. This is a way for uh, individuals just to be able to speak out for the safety of the children in Illinois public schools. Absolutely. Great. Well, listen, we are just about at time here and representative Carol really appreciate. Well, first of all, appreciate the fact that you made that decision to run uh, that, that that's great advice. And I appreciate that you're advocating for the things that are important to you uh, of, of which I can tell you that this is very important to many people out there. Uh, as the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint, you know, we've been doing a lot of research in this area. If there's ever anything we can do, we have connections with, you know, people that offer alternatives like Ucaro and Collaborative Proactive Solutions. If we can ever help out in any way, please don't hesitate. But thank you so much for, for all that you're doing and impacting change. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And you take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right, so let me tell you about what we have coming up here. Uh, we've got a, another um, live event uh, coming up in another two weeks. Of course, this is being broadcast. Uh, this was pre-recorded and being broadcast um, from there, but we have a, another live event coming up in two more weeks. We're going to be talking to uh, Diane Gould, and let me pull that up here real quick. Uh, Diane is going to be talking about there has to be a better way, reimagining behavioral support. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, we've got more great stuff coming up. want to thank you all for joining in with us today and hope to see you again really soon. So thank